at my happy, happy guy. Oh, just a happy, happy, happy guy. Oh, just a look at that happy, oh, the happy dog. Oh, just a happy, happy, happy. Look at my happy. Hey, everybody. This is AJ, and this is the Unnecessary Podcast. Uh, just a couple happy guys here. Uh, if you're new to the Unnecessary Podcast, just a free-flowing conversation between me and friends. And today we have our co-founder of the Unnecessary Podcast, Lee. What's up, happy guy, Lee? I'm a happy guy. <laughs> yeah, we were laughing about that TikTok trend before, and we decided it had <laughs> to go on. How long have you been watching TikTok? Um, I, I only watch it when my wife sends me links to funny TikTok things. But uh, uh, I know Trump uh, stopped it from being updated in the U.S. I don't know if that's still going on, if there's like no updates or anything, or if you can only use the, the older versions of it or something like that. Oh, funny. One of, one of his like culture war, like trade war, weird things. Yeah, that it was like a backdoor to the Chinese government. Mm, interesting, I guess. I mean, isn't there always a backdoor to the Chinese government? At this yeah, point? pretty much. Ay, ay, ay. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah. yeah, I love TikTok. I'm, I'm a huge, huge TikTok fan. I'm a lurker. I don't create content, which would probably be obvious, I think, to you, at least. <laughs> um, I'm not like a that. A little bit more old school. Yeah, I'm not that kind of person to like, just, I don't know, I'm not like a basic bro who's going to be like, let's like do this viral trend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything against basic bros. The world needs basic bros, Lee. Um, yeah, there's levels of bro. So you need your basic, your level two, your tier three, and your, you and, know. And your gym, uh, your gym bro. Your gym bro. <laughs> we could create different levels of bro because um, working with this uh, this nonprofit um, that I've been working with, Denver Community Fridges, we offer like free food through these refrigerators. Um we were working with a bro who works at urban outfitters cause they want to like get some good PR, you know, and they have some, some cashiola to donate. Yeah. And, um, we were talking to bro Derek and, um, bro Derek, <laughs> bro Derek was a good bro. His email is a little hard to follow sometimes, but we think he's awake and Baker and, um, bro Derek, <laughs> he works for the capitalist infrastructure machine, but he wants to do the right thing. And that's a good bro. It's a bro you want. Yeah, it's like bro by bro by name only. Mm. <laughs> a bro by any other name would smell just as sweet. Would smell just <laughs> would, like Axe Body Spray. Would lift just as hard. <laughs> <laughs> Axe Body Spray, yes. Do people still do Axe or is that like a, a millennial reference? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, when I was in you know middle school, high school, it was everywhere. Right. Spray it on, spray it off, you're good to go. Yeah, I love how we are for the first time in our lives, we have an adult generation younger than us. So I don't like, do they have ax body spray jokes or is that a thing for the over 25 crowd? You know what I mean? I, I think, I think it's for our, for our generation a little bit more. They probably have some other smell, <laughs> some <laughs> other, some other like, or, or some other like broham indicator that you are in fact a bro. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, uh, just image related at this point, mm. how you dress and how your hair looks. Maybe what's That's the in indicator is, bro, other than smell. Maybe what's in is like not smelling like, bro, I can't even smell you right now. Like zero cent. That would, I would love that. And this might be my new bad business idea. 
the zero, the the anti cologne. It like takes, negative scent. Like somebody smells you and their nose starts bleeding, and they're like, "I can't smell anything." <laughs> right, right. Those the beta testers are a little traumatized from all the uh, torture we had to put the, the product testing um, and nosebleeds. But yeah, like a- anti smell. I'm down. I don't know how that is like, and yeah, I don't know how that would work. Like a smell and an anti-smell get together and explode into a neutron bomb or something. <laughs> yeah. We need a smell void, like a smell vacuum. You remember when smell vision people thought that that was going to like be something in the future. Like you would smell things on TV. Yeah. Yeah. And then they realized like smelling is like the least desirable sense. It's like the most disgusting scent. Yeah. Like what? You're watching. It'd be like like taste division. Like someone kicks muddy water at the character, you just like taste shit in your mouth. Like oh god. (laughs) That's right. Um, You're watching uh, Kill Bill and Uma Thurman get spit in her face. (laughs) Do you get Quentin Tarantino's saliva hurled into your mouth? There's just like a tube on top of your TV, and they just blast fucking loogies at you. And like, they like recommend like spit centric content. Like the only function of this tube is to spray saliva at me. I don't understand. Right. It's all blue man group and um, whoever talks like this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I guess like, like rainy, rainy romance scenes, you know, they're just, they're just hosing down your living room. You just taste Hugh Grant in your mouth. Like, oh, this is terrible. Ooh, or maybe, maybe like <laughs> Philo vision. Like it has like these creepy like your television has like a like creepy Hugh Grant rubbing my leg. Like I don't like this romantic comedy. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like your TV has like two creepy arms that like come out. Like and they they're like retractable, which makes it even creepier. So like you have this flat flesh colored like two pads on your TV. And then like when Hugh Grant fucking starts getting touchy feely, the fucking hands come out and they get like, and they're all like wet. There's some, so for some reason they're like moisturized. Well, I would assume Hugh Grant. Would do. <laughs> yeah. Um, smell, yeah, smell a vision, feel a vision. Yeah. Nobody, we don't, and I guess we don't need these things. Like even with, I guess virtual reality you might want maybe not smell even unless it's like good smells like, but then I hate artificial flower smells. You know what I mean? So fuck that. Yeah. I don't like like scented candles and all that kind of stuff. I just feel like it's chemicals that pretend to be smell. Uh huh. Yeah, for sure. And those, okay. Can I make a sociological observation? I think that the people who, the the bros who do the TikTok viral videos who, who, who say I want to make a video uh, in this trend? That's trending. pay attention to me. Yeah, those are the same people that um, that also. What were we just talking about? <laughs> that <did> the <laughs> smell-o-vision. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they're not also smell-o-vision people. They're um, oh, I forget. What, I forget. <laughs> I'm too high. <laughs> hey, random question. He's a happy, a happy, a happy guy. <laughs> He's just a happy, happy guy. I'm a happy guy. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Listen, oh, right. So what I was going to say is that um, my buddy Anthony just got a virtual reality headset, the Oculus 2. I think it's like 300 bucks or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, so he's been, he wanted to get into 
like uh, fitness stuff, like VR fitness. Uh-huh. So he got that and he got this game called Thrill of the Fight and it's just like a boxing simulator. So, you know, for like hour to a day, he's just doing boxing matches and he said it's unbelievable. He said he can already see a difference in like the way he looks and like, you really? know, his, yeah, yeah, like muscle definition and just cardio, being able to last for longer and stuff like that. So that's pretty, pretty cool. All right, I guess I got to try that because I have an Oculus too. So Oh, do you? Oh, I got it, baby. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So thrill of the fight. Um, he likes that. And also, uh, until I fall or something like that is a good one. Um, it's just kind of like a uh, sci-fi you're going through and there's guys like trying to chop you and you got to like put your hands up and, you know, block the stuff. And it's uh-huh. just like a good like karate type workout. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's enjoying that very much. I mean, he's a pretty fit guy anyway, right? Yeah. And then he also plays uh, poker with people on there. Um, yeah, I saw the poker thing. I wish you could bet real money. I would do that. If you yeah. It's a, well, you can, you can like buy the fake money with real money. <laughs> so I, I guess that kind of counts. Oh, really? Yeah. I think you start with a certain amount of money, um, like a certain amount of fake money. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of like microtransactions. Like if you want to buy more for a certain thing, you can, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, huh. but Interesting. He said one thing that's cool is you can take your chips in your hand and just throw it at the people at the table. And they see like the chips flying at their face when you do it because they're all in VR. It's all playing with real people. Take your goddamn chips. They take your goddamn chips out of here. It's nice. It's microtransactions and also microaggressions. And macroaggressions. <laughs> well, I don't know if you can get macro on VR. You know what I mean? I guess if that's you, true. That, well, that would the, be the, uh, the spit. That would be the spit tube. That's <laughs> Everybody gets a spit tube on their Oculus. Right. I mean, I guess, I guess dropping like an N bomb, a hard N is, uh, would be, would be a macro. Yeah. It's so, pretty, uh, yeah. I pretty abrasive to the soul. As a cisgendered white man of privilege, I can't be macro aggressed upon in a VR setting. You know what I mean? Like you can't hurt me. <laughs> you can't hurt me. <laughs> I don't have that kind of trauma that you can like trigger. So yeah. Yeah. We're lucky in that respect. Yeah, for sure. Um, and living in America. Always nice. Living in America. Didn't I prefer uh, young Americans by David Bowie? (laughs) Young American. Yeah. Yeah. I love that song. So I'm pretty sure Apollo Creed came in in Rocky four to live it in America. <laughs> Do you remember? That sounds about right. Um, not to be confused with like the, I believe the Hulk Hogan theme. Wasn't it something like, uh, something? that was real American or something real like that. Ma- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but that was like a super cheesy yet awesome entrance for Rocky four. Um, but if, if, if you're like, yeah, like the scrawny white Jewish guy coming into the ring. I guess you'd go. David oh, jeez, Bowie. David Bowie. Can I get a towel? I'm very sweaty. <laughs> and like you, at you wanted living in America, but they played Young Americans, and you're like, oh man, like I didn't want this one. <laughs> but you know what? I'll take Bowie. That's okay. I that that's a good pump up song. No, nothing says male aggression, toxic masculinity. No, he's the opposite, toxic masculinity. Yeah, androgyny. Toxic androgyny. I don't know if it was toxic. It was definitely titillating. Titillating androgyny. Pretty sure him and pretty sure him and um, Mick Jagger just like fucked a bunch. Yep. And uh, 
And... Oh, what's the guy's name? Uh, the actor. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, there was some. There was some actor that was like a real manly man and was in that. Oh, that's awesome. up in that uh, scene. I can't remember the name offhand. That's awesome. I have a theory that you can circumnavigate the sexual globe and you become so manly that you're gay. Like, yeah, like I, like I'm so straight. I'll fuck a dude kind of thing. <laughs> Does that make sense? You don't think I will? I'll right. do it. I'm so straight. I am. I'll fuck a dude. <laughs> and I'm, pr- and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that is the like energy behind prison love between men. Um, or is it just loneliness? I guess it happens with women too. Um, like gay behind bars or whatever. But it's also happens like in the military and there's like thousands of years of evidence of um, like fierce warriors, like going back to the ancient Greeks also being the ones that would enjoy putting penises in other men's bodies. Touching the tips. Yeah, touching tips. That's all we do. We just touch the tips. That's it. Handies, footies, (laughs) ear jobs. Yeah, you name it. LBs. Yeah, that sounds painful. Why not? Big, big big proponent of of consensual moral pleasure. You know what I mean? Hey, do what you do and do it well. (laughs) (laughs) He's a hap 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 (laughs) So good. Fucking, I'm obsessed with that. All right, random question. Which direction do you face when you're taking a shower? Not east, west, north, south. I don't mean <laughs> yeah, I was trying, Well, if my house is uh, yeah, on not, the northwest latitude line of right. uh, North America. I'm not asking if you face Mecca. Um, what I'm saying is, do you always face the shower head or do you, uh, are you a traveler? You know, do you rotate? Yeah, I would say I rotate. It kind of depends what I'm doing. Like I have long hair. So if I'm washing my hair, I'm going to spend a lot of time facing away from the shower head so that, you know, I can wash my hair down the back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say I'm a little, I'm a Turner. I turn. You're a Tina Turner. I'm a Tina Turner. All right. So Tina rolling down the river. Do you ever face the wall? Uh, yeah, I would say occasionally in my turns. In my, in my uh, navigation of the space. Well, you're a psychopath. It's been a step. <laughs> <laughs> what if I got to wash the left side? How am I going to do that without facing the law? Learn if your friend's a psychopath using this one weird trick. <laughs> <laughs> do you face the wall and scream, uh, <laughs> right. screaming and tow your face into demonic positions? Right. And how much are you crying while you shower? <laughs> um, I can't tell. There's too much water. <laughs> No, I guess I'm the psychopath for not facing the wall. Um, yeah, I, I, I think 90 to 100% of my shower time is spent back to the wall looking out through like the glass door or curtain, whatever it might right. be on the side. And so okay. to the point where like Eva will walk in to like grab something or to brush her teeth. And she'll be like, and you'll you? be like, I've been expecting you. <laughs> she'll be like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> because also I'll do like a little meditation Nilio and I'll do, I'll do like two, two to five minutes of like cold, just straight cold shower. Um, I used to do that. Yeah. Wakes it up, wakes you up real, real nice. Yeah. I'm trying to tap into my Wim Hof. I'm trying to, I'm like, I'm like the, 
the least impressive version of Wim Hof. I'm like, yay, two <laughs> minutes in the shower. <laughs> Just breathe. And then I go, I'm, I'm cold, I'm cold. I run out well, whining. In a, I think it was in 2010, I was working at LA Fitness and I learned about brown fat, which is if you've ever gone into the ocean and it's real cold and then your body gets used to the temperature, that's the brown fat in your body activating and regulating your temperature, which burns calories. So basically the thought was you go in the shower, uh, you have it at a normal temperature and then you slowly make it colder. So like, you know, little mm-hmm. turn, wait for your body to regulate temperature, a mm-hmm. little more cold, wait for your body to regulate temperatures. It's like hitting the back of your neck and then keep doing that until it's like basically almost ice cold. And then you get out, you feel great. It's supposed to like activate the brown fat and burn a lot of calories. Uh, and I don't know if it burned any calories, but that cold water will definitely wake you up. Yeah. Right. Um, there's, I would love for it to burn, burn the old fat um, which I've, I've heard about. And then also like Dr. Rhonda Patrick talks about, um, like hormetic responses, like, uh, going in the sauna or an ice bath, like your body essentially thinks you're dying. And so it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like heat shock proteins. Yeah. Yeah. So in response, it like manufactures a bunch of really good things for yourself. So you can like reproduce in the next 12 hours before you die. I think is the, the <laughs> yeah, idea. That makes sense. <laughs> Um, or survive long enough in that frozen pond uh, until you can get out or whatever. Like, yeah, it just generates all this good stuff. Um, it's like good stress. And so hopefully we'll see who the fuck knows. Yeah. I like when, uh, rich people tell me to go in a sauna. I'm like, yeah, just, you know, just buy a sauna, put it in your house and you're good to go. Oh my God. I, even I were talking about like renovating our bathroom, which we're, we're not going to do cause it's like too much of a pain in the ass. We're like, yeah. We'll just stay the same. <laughs> I can um, pee in this hole. But I was like, oh, man, right, the bucket. But I'm like, oh, man, I would love a sauna right here in the unit just every day. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Those heat shock proteins. They have the infrared saunas now. Then in 20 years, they find out that that kills you. Yeah, like you I do- mean, if if they find out anything is going to kill us 20 years from now, it's definitely got to be cell phones, right? Like all the radiation oh. and stuff gotta be i guess i mean they already know that plastics are killing us yep big time but i don't but i think but like they know but they are not it's kind of like lead in the 40s so like every like scientists knew that lead was bad in the 40s and was like finding more and more every day but lead was still used in everything and it was still used in gasoline until the 70s um yeah unleaded so I think that's what plastics are right now. We're in like the 1940s era of lead, but for plastics. So that means in 30 years, the government is going to be like banning uh, all this stuff that's like in my closet, you know, and in my pantry. Well, there's already microplastics in literally every square inch of the earth. So is it too late for that? Maybe that's pretty fucked up. But like, um, uh, like Paul Stamets probably has some mushroom that can eat it all. And all he needs is yeah, like, true. All he needs is like a $5 billion grant to like save the earth. But like, but like the government's too worried about like building war machines. <laughs> yeah. Paul Samus goes home and just like in a room, he has like a job of the hut mushroom creature. Like, hello, mushroom creature. <laughs> oh, you bring me food to eat. He's like, when can we save the world? It's like, not yet. Not yet, mushroom, mushroom not monster. Yet, this yet. fucking government won't give us the money. Blah, blah. <laughs> now give us a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, Paul Stamets is awesome, but yep. he got he got money from when anthrax be, was a thing. Like he gets money to develop from anthrax. Yeah, the Anthrax Institute. They, um, 
They they're funded by Al Qaeda. And, <laughs> no, when when the anthrax scare happened, when people got sent that shit in DC or whatever, um, he they gave him a ton of grant money to develop an anti anthrax uh, like antidote, and it's made it's based on agaricon mushrooms, and oh. like agaricon would have gone extinct if he didn't, or it would go extinct if he wasn't harvesting it you know now he's got labs making uh making it uh, oh, that's pretty crazy um yeah or i guess labs cultivating it you know using the natural mushroom spores from the wild but yeah it could have gone extinct because there's so much deforestation in the northwest it's like only available there and also like he found out that this agaricon mushroom um was likely used uh, to prevent smallpox um even smallpox wiped out like 90 percent of some of the tribes uh nations up there um, the, the, the people who would hunt whales and, and those damn uh, anti-vaxxers, that's right, the original anti-vaxxers, yep. the, uh, the, the indigenous people in the Northwest, like that would hunt whale and hunt and, and fish salmon. They were for some reason, particularly, uh, immuno susceptible to like smallpox and they got fucked up, but some other more inland ones didn't because they had a Garricon. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. All the medicines out there in nature. <sighs> yeah, if we don't fucking kill it all first. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, we're doing a pretty good job so far. I know. I know. Our, our, if you want to know, just ask the buffalo. I know. It's I, I got I've been able to see Buffalo because I live so close to Yellowstone and that's been fun. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but in the back of my mind I'm like, You're not the Buffalo. You yeah. they were reintroduced. You're like the artist formerly known as Buffalo. Yeah. They're like the remix. Yeah. It's like modern pigs versus wild pigs. It's like they sampled the Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yep. That's, I, that's like what everything is though. Dogs. Dogs are all mm-hmm. just samples of the old wolves and coyotes and stuff. <laughs> samples. Yeah. It's like, a, like, electronic music you know how it, it, like i love electronic music but it sounds digital versus analog <laughs> and oh yeah definitely dogs are like digital wolves <laughs> yeah pretty much just inbred digital wolves yeah i'm a happy 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 guy <laughs> it's <a> case of <laughs> proof um speaking of indigenous people yeah, i was much. i was checking out axios um uh, which is an awesome news site they they present news. Yeah, I've heard of that. In like very brief, like they tell you how they they present things in like two sentence um, summaries that give you like what what's going on and why it matters, and then they give you an option to quote unquote go deeper, and they tell you how many more minutes. Of, <laughs> yeah, and then they tell you how many more minutes of reading you would have to do to go deeper. Um, so they I think they coined themselves as kind of like the Twitter of journalism. It's really great. It's like perfect for our era because it's all bite size. Right, right. Um, so I, I don't have time to read a five minute news article. I have to scroll through Facebook. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, they know like it's yeah, it's adapted for our our attention span and our psychologies. Mm-hmm. So it really makes sense. Um, and so the speaking of indigenous Americans, the Iroquois nation is trying to be represented in the Olympics as under their own flag, um, specifically okay. to play lacrosse. 
which I think is so fucking cool and makes sense. Is the cross a traditionally is like traditional native sport that they play or is it kind of like uh, cool runnings? No, it's, <clears throat> it is unlike, unlike cool runnings, unlike those Jamaican bobsledders, um, like the Haudenosaunee and the other Iroquois Confederacy um, nations played lacrosse. I don't know if all of them did, but I'm pretty sure the Haudenosaunee did. I just like saying that word. I like, yeah. <laughs> I like impressing myself. Um, yes. But yeah, so various nations would play lacrosse and they, it was like ceremonial and they were kind of like war games from what I read, from what I understand. And sometimes these lacrosse games would be literally thousands of people like, and they would be played in a field like miles wide, which I think is awesome. And like mine, was there only two goals? Yeah, the goals would stretch. They'd be like end zones, I think. Oh, or no, that's there might crazy. no, there might have been small goal. I don't know what the goal situation was. I just know that the field was fucking huge, and there'd be thousands of people. Um, and it was like full contact, you know, aggressive, violent, like you see in a lot of sports, like around the world, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Well, sport is the closest thing to war that we have in civilized society. I don't know if I talked to you about this, but like. War is to sports as sex is to porn or professional, yeah, yeah, professional, professional sports is like, is like porn, um, for war. <laughs> like it's, it's intense competition with like a winner take all, um, conquest, uh, type mentality. Right. But at um, the end of the day, everybody still gets paid. Yeah. 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 And so in these, in, in these indigenous nations, they would play against each other and it would be like sociopolitical and it would help like diffuse tension. And sometimes it would replace actual war. So you could potentially resolve conflicts or, or it would be ceremonial and like very spiritual. Like there was also an aspect of like satisfying deities in doing this. Um, Mm -hmm. Cause I'm sure there's like, there was like an emotional spiritual connection, right. With like playing the sport. Um, so I just thought, I, I just think that's super cool. Uh, but yeah, they're trying to play uh, under their own flag. And it's like, why the fuck not? It's the Olympics. Like who cares? Yeah. And that would make it all, more interesting. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think it's funny when there's like purists of these institutions, but it's like, it's all just, it's all man-made. It's all made up. So if we made up the rules, we can make up new rules. Who cares? Yeah. I have a, I have a number of conservative friends that that don't want transgendered people to play high school sports, um, you know, like with the gender that they identify with. Yeah. Um, and because they're like, it's not fair. And my answer is like, life's not fair. Like, I don't care that like your cisgendered white daughter loses a wrestling match or like loses a volleyball match um, at the state championships because... Uh, the other team has a six foot nine transgendered person. Like I don't, if that, ha- if that ever happens and I don't think it has yet other than people, uh, asshole Republicans trying to make a point, you know, and like putting on a bra and pretending to be transgendered. Right. Um, so I'm like, if that ever happens, I don't really care <laughs> because, right. because like part of high school sports, cause nobody's getting paid in high school sports. And if you're not getting physically hurt, um, like it's important to learn from losing and like 
if you were undefeated and you were about to win the state championship, like I don't fucking give a shit. Like it's high school sports. Like if I had won a state championship in my, in football, that would have been great. And if I had lost because of some transgendered person, like, and I thought it was unfair, like it wouldn't matter. You know what I mean? Like who gives a shit? I would still, my life would not have changed at all, except I would have had to have overcome the experience of losing. Right. And that's really valuable <laughs> for people. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that it's different for one V one sports like wrestling? Um, I don't think there's women's wrestling. First of all, like, is this a prop? Like, or what about like weightlifting? Well, I mean, I think it could be, no, well, that's a, well, nobody's getting physically hurt. So like, yeah, maybe, maybe somebody born male who identifies as a woman but has not yet got the hormones because the hormones like changes, you know, your output potential. So right. you, you end up being in a big body with not enough energy to power it. Right. Um, but if you don't, I, let's say you didn't, you're not starting. And also kids go th- do hormone blockers too, which does the same thing. So I'm pretty sure like almost every time a trans girl plays a sport with other girls, I I'm pretty sure like they don't have huge advantages. So I just don't think it's like a point. And then also like, I'm just against making a law either way. I think it makes sense for like the school to be able to decide. Um, right. Right. Yeah. And that's, um, I know you love uh, Jordan Peterson. That was his whole free speech debate is that you can, you know, call people by the pronouns that they prefer. But as soon as you make it a law and start finding people, then that's when it goes too far and it should just be decided by the individual institutions and states. Well, here's why he's wrong and I'm wrong. Um, well, we're the reason Jordan Peterson and I come to that conclusion is because we're both white men with privilege. Like we've, we don't need anti-discrimination laws because we've never been discriminated against. And so we can't right. understand a situation where somebody would be discriminated against. And this is, I think, a fallacy of conservative thinking. They assume people are rational actors and people don't discriminate against you uh, uh, unless it's based on meritocracy. And that's not how life works. And that's why we need anti-discrimination laws. So like the problem with letting a school decide whether a kid can play a sport that associates with their gender is because then you, then it's up to it's anti-democratic. Then you just have a principal or a superintendent who could be conservative. Or if you grow up, if you're a trans girl and you grow up in a Trump County, like my niece, um, you might get out in front of the whole school. You might like, then if nobody knows yet, or, or, like you can have awful consequences. Your life can be hell based on one transphobic principle or superintendent. Yeah, definitely true. And so that's why you need anti-discrimination laws. And so that's why I understand like what trans people and people of color say when they're like, we need government intervention and anti-discrimination laws to protect them in ways that I've never needed to be protected as a white person. So I'm like, I just kind of like step back and be like, I'm going to agree with the person who's oppressed <laughs> and because I don't think it's that I'm more interested in like economic policy, you know, anyway. So right. I'm, I'm like, I'm inclined to just agree with the oppressed people and the marginalized people and just like get onto wealth redistribution. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when it comes to like sports and stuff, I'm not a competitive person. So I literally couldn't care less about mm. sports stuff. Um, yeah. So I always think it's interesting people who sports is their entire life, 
you know what I mean? And then they have these arguments and I'm just like, well, I literally, you're getting paid millions of dollars to play a game. So like, I just don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have to be empathetic towards those people that have that obsessiveness about sports. A lot of it's like family connections. Like I think a lot of men love sports because it was the only way to connect with their dad. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, my dad was a huge Eagles fan. That was like, he lived and breathed Eagles. He loved it. Yeah. And I was, the, I was the weird one in the family. Cause I just don't, I don't, you know, I see like football and baseball. And I'm just like, I like games, but these particular games don't interest me. Mm. And I think that's what people who don't, that's what super like sports fans don't understand about people who don't like sports. It's not that I don't like games. I just don't like these particular games. I like <laughs> other games. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Sports. All right. Yeah. I, I got another topic here for, from our good friends at Axios. Um, the Biden administration is just cut like a hundred million dollar deal with a bunch of hotels on the border to put up these migrant kids and these migrant families in hotels rather than cages. Uh, yeah. There's like a big crisis going on at the border right now. Isn't there crisis at the border? Do you have any thoughts on this? Um, I, I kind of fell out of, uh, knowledge about stuff over the past few months. Yeah. Uh, just like focusing on my family and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know too much about it, honestly. I just know that there's, or I was, I've heard that there's a large amount of people coming to the border looking for access to the United States. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I read a, or I listened to a Vox podcast about this and they were saying that um, a lot of the, the traffickers along the border, like the coyotes and the people who um, operate, you know, the illegal border crossing community or industry rather. um, Those people are falsely telling migrants that this, that, that, uh, in, uh, that that border facility X is now processing people. They're processing twenty thousand a day. So let's send you over here. And because of the Biden administration, uh, processing facility Y is now open, so we can send people there. And they're essentially just like lying to people to get more business. Um, it's like, ah, oh, you got to go now. You got to go now. The Biden administration, right, like, right. we just got it up. It's all good. Give me your five thousand bucks or whatever. And um, and that's not the case <laughs> um biden's administration works like really slow and deliberate um so they're it's gonna take a while you know um and so they're still operating under like the, the obama policies essentially and obama 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 had like conservative republican immigration policies um because mm-hmm. obama was trying to reach across the aisle and so yep. back in 2008, it was like, like the immigration rhetoric was like really conservative. Like it was gross for me as somebody who believes in yeah. open, open borders. Um, and so Obama built the kids, built the cages and Trump ramped up the program and made it more inhumane. And now Biden's backed it down to like the Obama levels and, and, but there's better people in the administration now. So Biden, I think ultimately will do better than Obama on immigration. Yeah. It'll just take a while, but um, it's fucked. But this signing of the contract with hotels is key because there's so many hotel vacancies around the country and around the border. Um, 
it's just like the humane thing to house people when you can. Right. Yeah, definitely. Seems obvious to me. (laughs) Yeah. It's like as a musician who's traveled around and played music, you know, I've slept in a lot of weird places and it's like, even the weirdest place I've slept wasn't that bad. So like you think about horrible facilities for these people who traveled thousands of miles from their original home and it's just, it's tough. You know, people are, it's all people, you know what I mean? People just like you and me, just like imagine yourself in that facility. And that's what people have a hard time doing. Yeah. It's fucked up. Like they didn't choose where they were born. Yep, exactly. Like conservatives think that you choose what family you're born into, what borders, what borders you're born into. Um, And also I think, and, uh, I know you don't travel as much as I do, but like, for example, going to Morocco, um, really cemented in my mind, like, fuck, if you're born in Morocco, like you're fucked, like you're never getting out. Like you're never leaving that town or city. Um, unless it's, unless it's for work. I mean, their bus system's incredible. So you can get buses for very cheap all over Morocco, see family and yeah. work and shit. But like, you're never getting out of that country. Like the, the poverty right. is so, um, severe. Um, they have a lot of food there. Like, I don't think people go starving, which is nice. Um, there's like dates, like you can eat dates everywhere. I've noticed. Um, they just grow a lot of toilet paper. Yeah, that's right. Um, they probably have bidets over there. Uh, they, they have like fucking nothing. Like, it was gross, dude. Like we would be on a bus and they would stop the bus so people can use the bathroom and Eva's got to pee all the time. So like it would be like a hole in the ground. Everything would be wet. Like the, the whole bathroom, every like half the bathrooms we would go into there, it, they would, the walls would be wet. The floors would be wet for some reason. Yeah. Is that like, just when they clean them, they just go in and like spray everything down. I don't know because the sink wouldn't work. So <laughs> <laughs> we're like, where's all this water coming from? Right. Um, well, no, even we would get, we would check into a hotel and go to, into our hotel room and like the floor is like wet. I'm like what the fuck? So maybe, maybe it's a custom to like spray it to just like fucking spray it down and then not dry it. I don't know. It not weird. dry it. Yeah. So be. weird. But Eva said like no place had toilet paper. So she had to bring toilet paper with her everywhere. And then mm-hmm. there would be these super poor old ladies with no teeth. And they were probably 35, but they looked old ladies. And, um, <laughs> They'd be, they would sit outside the public bathrooms, like essentially begging for like a penny or a nickel or whatever. And those were the people that cleaned the bathroom. Um, and, but, but there was no cleaning to be going. Like we saw the rag and bucket they were working with. Like there's no soap, you right, know, right. there's no gloves. There's no changing of the rag. Um, so yeah, it was fucking, it was a trip, man. Yeah, we take a lot of stuff for granted here, that's for sure. Yeah, just like having toilet paper, like you said. Love that. Yeah, I can can literally uh, do an Instacart and have groceries delivered to my house in like half an hour. I think I should get a bidet, though. I mean... I've been thinking about it for a while. It's just my ass is not getting... Like, I'm just smearing shit on my asshole. Well, I do. I go the wet wipe uh, method. The Cottonelle wet wipes... Flushable wipes, flushable in quotation marks. Aren't there chemicals in that going on your butthole? Um, I get the uh, the natural ones with aloe and vitamin E. Ooh, vitamin yeah. E. Oh yeah, it changed my life. I got 
I'm clean as a whistle 24 seven, bud. I'd like to, I'd like to wet that whistle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I could ever go back, but I've been looking at the company Tushy. They have their bidets that connect directly to your toilet. Right, right, right. Um, so they had like three different levels. And the, I think the most expensive one is like 175 bucks or something like that. And it hooks up to your warm water and your cold water. You just like run, you know, tubes from your, under tubes. your sink. Yeah. See, the, the only thing that I worry about is that when I turn my hot water on, it takes like, you know, five seconds, seven seconds for it to warm up. So like if I'm if I got my bidet going and I hit the warm water button, it takes some time to warm up. I'm getting a cold blast of uh, Alaska up there pretty quick. Yeah, it's talk, speaking of a wake up call, like the cold yeah, shower, woo. cold shower up your. There's ass. that brown fat. I want I want a bidet that that where the water comes out of um, something that looks like John Stamos's face, like <laughs> spitting water. <laughs> oh, the, oh, the Stamos bidet. Yeah, yeah, the Uncle Jesse. Um, <laughs> the bedemos. <laughs> yes, I was. I knew there was wordplay in there somewhere. Yes, yeah, there's always wordplay. You fucking rooted it out. The bedemos. John bedemos. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think that instead of a bidet, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have like the the toilet paper you know, rack like it normally is. And then above it will be like another like shelf. And there will be just one of those bright orange see-through water guns, the little squirt guns. <laughs> that'll oh, be, yeah. that'll be my bidet. It'll just, <laughs> and that'll be, Girl, I'll just, I'll, I'll hire someone for $11 an hour just to have a little squirt gun in stand in my bathroom. And then when I go in, I'm like, all right, here we go. Start firing. I think we're onto a bad business idea here. Like, yeah, you know, the rest, I'm a job creator. Well, I mean, I live in a condo building and I could just, did you say condor or condo <laughs> condo <laughs> con duty? Oh. Um, I live in a condor style apartment. It's not, it has wings <laughs> and there's like 64 units here, me. I think in my building. So like you can, we can just hire, like just throw it into the HOA. Let's get a duty. Let's get a, a bidayer. Um, a John Bidemos. A John Bidemos. And, you know, full Bennies, 401k, the whole bit. Oh. <laughs> reimbursed for, reimbursed for uh, water guns. And then he would just come up, go, like go unit to unit, and we'd spread them. And then for you single family home dwellers, you have like Instacart. Like you just like set an appointment, like an Uber, you know. Just like I get, I need to shit in like twenty minutes. Insta wipe. Oh, like Uber essentially. Like you call an Uber, you just call a dude to fucking clean your ass for you. This is Insta wipe. Thank you for contacting our customer support services. I think we're on to something. And then you can like you can expand into hemorrhoids. Um, you know, I, I'm think uh, sh- uh, uh, cleaning pro uh, all kinds of hygiene products. You know, uh, fresh balls, um, <laughs> fresh balls. Yeah. You know, like they have those companies now, like those men's care companies that like just specialize in like grooming your fucking genital area, like dude wipes and manscape. Yeah, yeah. Like you have all that stuff, you know, like you get in the Uber and they have like the water bottle and all the USB chargers. <laughs> That's like- I've actually, I've actually never been in an Uber before. Oh, good for you. I've never been in any kind of ride chair, like Uber or Lyft. I've never done it. Uh-huh. Well, but I also live like two and a half minutes from everything in my town. Nice. 
That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I obviously can't remember the last time I took an Uber because we're a year into this pandemic. So going pretty well. Fuck knows. Yeah. I read that the uh, Las Vegas visitor count was down 55% last year because of COVID. Yeah. It's probably going to shoot back up this year. Yeah. It's what, again, Axios was saying that they're betting on a big comeback, which. Yeah. I mean, everybody just got 1400 bucks. Mm. People are itching to get out. Like, or I, I, I mean, I'm, I've settled into a rut into a nice, comfortable rut. Nice, comfortable rut. Oh, it's so comfortable. Like it's nice yeah. to have an excuse to do all the behaviors of a depressed person. <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh, wear your bathrobe seven days a week. Like, Go yeah, ahead, Johnny. It's like depression without the actual depression. Right. But you can, that you can reverse engineer it through your behavior, obviously, you know, and cre- create it in your own life. Yeah. I mean, if you act like a depressed person, you're going to fucking become one. Um, but I'm, I'm, I don't have a particular inch. Like I'm, I'm very interested in doing stuff again and I can't wait. But at the same time, I'm like, I can do another year of this. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm an indoor boy. I feel the same way. Yeah. And we're both, uh, relatively like compared to everybody else, we have a lot of stability and like mental stability and, um, yeah, definitely pretty balanced. So we can also like last August, I told myself, I was like, I can do another year of this. Like last August, I was like, if this bullshit has to continue until next August, I think I'm going to be totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, I said, we'll see, like, maybe I'll, I'll start having some issues, but I'm psyched, dude. I'm I was psyched. To have I was kind of living like this before the pandemic hit, so I'm, <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> Are you still working at the restaurant? Um, very occasionally. Um, I have to work there once every six weeks to keep myself in the system, so that I don't have to like reapply for the job or anything like that. But I pretty much just been working from home, doing the festival stuff. Right, and you got the Three Stivol Music Festival coming up in May or April. Yeah, yeah, May twentieth uh, to the twenty third. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, looking um, pretty good. It's almost sold out now. Yeah, I mean, like you said, people are psyched to go. So how many, what's the capacity? Um. Well, last year we did one in the summer and the fall, and our capacity was about 300 tickets. Um, over the course of the weekend, it wasn't, you know, 300 people at once. Um, but I think they said like 10% of capacity in this place holds like 4,000 people. Um. So yeah, it was about 300. So this year we might be able to go up to like 350, 400. Um, they're kind of loosening all the restrictions around here now, but it's pretty crazy. I mean, I work the gate 24 seven. I sleep up there in my car. It's just me and Anthony that run it. So it's like, he's running back house stuff. I run the gate. That's just like my deal. Mm-hmm. So I, I literally was face to face with every single person that came in there. I had to take their temperature. I had to give them a wristband, check their name off the thing, answer any questions face to face with three to 400 people, including bands and staff all weekend. And we were outside and I didn't get sick. Nobody else got sick. So I really think that being outside is the big factor in lessening the spread. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. <clears throat> oh man, I can't wait to go to one of your festivals and just to any music thing. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. I should connect you with my friend, Mike in California. Um, you played music with him back in college in Gandalf's closet. Right, right. He's in Savoy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Savoy hasn't played for a while, but Mike has been doing 
his side, uh, another music project called Jaguar dreams, which is really cool with one of oh. his old Savoy mates and, and also somebody else that they brought in. Um, but then Mike is working on this, this nonprofit um, kind of mutual aid organization stuff, but he's, he's doing um, like a dance festival. Um, it's called distanced disco. And you can check it out at distancedisco.com. It says two nights of camping and celebrating the positive spirit of disco and beyond together. Um, it says there will be disco dance, house astronomy, jazz, breath work, yoga, waterfalls, and a sound bath. I don't know what that is, but, um, but it sounds delightful, dude, this is so California. So there's, uh, bring your own vibe and let's share, learn and boogie together. And then it says they'll, they'll also have biohacking. Um, uh, yeah, like this is a Mike's brother also has like some license to do experimental psychedelic therapy. <laughs> so um, <laughs> now that sounds very California. So they're real. I know I can't wait to drive out there and do it with them. Um, so they're, they're really on the, the cutting edge here. Um, yeah, it looks pretty cool. It's kind of like a hippie dance party thing. Yeah, so. I wonder now that our society is kind of broken down and has to go in a forced different direction, if everything's going to become like kind of go back a few decades to more community centered stuff, farmers markets and less giant warehouse buildings that everybody goes into, mm. like Walmart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't wait to fucking dance to like, yeah. I mean, I dance alone when I'm listening to music because I'm, you know, just a free spirit who doesn't give a shit, but, um, yeah, pretty uninhibited, but yeah, I really would. I really can't wait to dance in front of a bunch of fucking people and with a bunch of people. <laughs> That'll be fun. Yeah. It's good, good for the, uh, good for the mind. Yeah. I'm picturing like an ninth, early 1980s disco, you know, disco dance. Yeah, we go disco dancing. That sounds <laughs> and yeah, we can use our fun Europe, vaguely European accents. <laughs> yep. Like the wild. Like the Borat guys. accent. Oh, yeah. I was thinking like the wild and crazy guys from the old SNL. Oh, yeah. We have a good couple of wild and crazy guys. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty funny one. And like Night at the Roxbury, although that was a little bit more, uh, had a bit, bit more of a rapey vibe to it. You looking at him? You looking at me? You looking at him? That, <laughs> yeah, that does not age well. I guess. Nope. I guess actually it probably ages okay because I think that still happens. Oh, I'm sure clubs. it does. And like, I don't know. I honestly, we would need, we would need somebody who knows more than that. It's like a feminist or scholar or something. Like, is that, is that violent? I guess, I guess probably. <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah. Probably not great. Any kind of unwanted touching. Yeah. Unwanted touch is something we've learned. Not great. So I guess yep. even in a dance situation, not good. Yep. Damn. Yeah. Try not to touch anybody for any reason unless they're like, hey, give me a hug. I'm like, all right. Yeah, no touching. That's right. No touching. Yep. Yeah. Gotta, gotta be, gotta be uh, sensitive and uh, considerate, I guess. That's the word. Reminds me of, um, you ever see Major Pain? Damon Wayne. <laughs> Sensitive. <laughs> yeah, I, I I barely I don't really remember anything about the movie, but when you said that line it I would I, I watched it probably last year and it definitely holds up. It is so funny. Really? Yep, it's very, very good. I would not have guessed 
you know? Yeah. Cause it's like this, this super hard ass drill sergeant who then meets the girl and, and the little kid and just like becomes more sensitive and learns about his feelings. And then like, he starts helping people out. It's like a great, great character arc. Huh? All right. I guess I'll check it out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Highly recommend it. <laughs> Another movie that I watched recently, uh, the original coming to America with Eddie Murphy. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, does it hold that holds up hundred percent. It is so funny. Yeah, it really does hold like right down to the, even the parts where they're not even speaking, like we're just like the King is just like walking. Like, it's just like funny. Um, like what he's wearing, like the commentary, the social commentary that, that you can glean just from like looking at these amazing actors and this, this wealth crafted movie, you know? Yeah. 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 It was very excellent. And I, I also think there's something to be said about the, that era of filmmaking where the cameras weren't HD and you can tell it's a movie by just looking at how the camera looks and how the scenes look. Oh yeah. yeah. And it just has that gritty, like 1980s New York feel to it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know if you watched the the sequel to coming to America that just came out. No. Um, It was, it was, it should have been about half as long. Mm Mm-hmm. They shouldn't have added new characters and they should have just done like a send up to the original movie because for half of the movie, it was basically just bringing in all the old characters, the same old actors and just, you know, just them 30 years later. And it was awesome. And then they tried to add this whole new story in with like his uh, son that he like conceived in New York before he met Lisa, his wife, when he was there. And it's just like, I don't know. I just, I wasn't a huge fan of the new stuff they added in, but anytime they had like one of the old actors come in or one of the old, like they went to the barber shop where mm-hmm. there's, you know, Eddie Murphy is made up to look like the old Jewish white guy <laughs> yeah, yeah. and Arsenio Hall is made up to look like the old black guy in the yeah. chair. And like they did that again. And that was so awesome. Mm. Um, James Earl Jones was in it. Um, Ar- yeah, Arsenio Hall is so great. And I would recommend watching it just for those send ups to the original movie. But I don't know. There's just, there's something about the HD that just takes away from like the magic of it. It just seems like it's almost like you're in the room with them watching and, and you know that they're acting because it looks so real. I, it's hard to explain. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I can, I kind of understand what you're saying because the movie feels the original movie feels regal. Like it feels, um, theatrical, like, um, yep. Uh, almost like fairy tale like yeah definitely definitely also because like new york i think at the time was rep- was was depicted as like an incredibly gritty place yep definitely Mostly like like the like the warriors comes to mind um like really gritty gang oriented violent um and this movie is feels fun and like comfortable, like cozy and safe. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it, it probably was like incredibly subversive to um, like normal depictions of black life. Like black culture is, is pervades throughout the original, which was like really influential for me as a kid. Um, like they had black business owners and they had immigrants who were like, heart had like hearts of gold, you know, and like, were yeah, just yeah. like earnest. And like, those weren't depictions of black people that I ever saw on TV or in the movies. Yeah. yeah like Eddie Murphy quoting Nietzsche and stuff. That yeah. is not me. That is Nietzsche. 
similar to like the Huxtables, I guess, like just like introducing like different versions of black life. Minus um, Bill Cosby drugging and raping people. Yeah, yeah, that's why we don't. Like yeah, well, well, except for that part. Um, so yeah, and like the soul glow, you know, with the Jerry curls. Oh my god! Just not just. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and because it was so such a popular movie, and because specifically Comedy Central would replay it all the time, right? Like in high school, mm-hmm. it would just always be on. I feel like um, I think that provided like a bridge between black and white audiences. Like I feel like I can connect with somebody from a completely different background from me, like on that movie, and be like, "Isn't Soul Glow amazing?" <laughs> like we can agree that like Eric LaSalle is like hilarious. Yeah, he's um, so good in it. <laughs> so yeah, that movie is is so fucking good. And then I think what happens with a lot of artists is like it's really hard to make more than a few good pieces of art. Um, I think like most, even the world's greatest artists, have like a period of four or five years where they're fucking amazing, and before and after that period, they're still making really good art but it might not have the mass appeal. It might not hit that chord, like that cultural moment. Um, I feel like art is really delicate and like, like with Mike's band Savoy, like they had a moment where they were incredibly popular and like, it's hard to sustain that. Um, And then like Eddie Murphy, as an artist, you get older, you get more privileged, you stop struggling, you stop having like young person angst. Um, You become out of touch. And so, I feel like Eddie Murphy stopped making good movies possibly just because like that's the natural evolution of most artists that aren't like Spike Lee or Scorsese, you know? Right. I think that it's easier in that regard to be a director than it is to be the actual actor creating it. Mm. Because like you said, you, you know, you lose that edge that you have in your youth, but as a director, you're kind of just directing other people's edges to True. come out on screen as opposed to actually having to present that emotion. Yeah. Um, and Eddie Murphy's movies from the eighties, like you ever see trading places with him and Dan Aykroyd? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So like, so good. It's spot on. It's chef's kiss. And maybe this has to do with comedy specifically. Like we see this with stand-up comedy, like Dane cook or Louis CK, like people become the thing and it, it strikes a cultural chord where like this person's particular brand of comedy aligns with the cultural moment in a way. Um, and then also publicists and gross white people institutions have, uh, often dictate who gets popular and who isn't, but, but, um, maybe in comedy specifically, there's this shooting star aspect. Like I think of like Will Ferrell, like he is early two thousands comedy. Yeah, yeah. And by 2012, and, and, and like Vince, Vince Vaughn. Right. Like, and, uh, and by like 2012, yeah. right. And we were like done with them after, after 10 years because we just like moved on. Yep. And, and I wouldn't expect Will Ferrell to fucking completely change his brand of comedy. That'd be nuts. Like, right. That's in, impossible. So I just think it's interesting. Yeah. It's like Step Brothers. Uh huh. And it's also just like an inventor. Like you have your one great million dollar idea. And then every other idea is kind of like trying to recapture that original mm. excitement, regardless of what it is. And same with movies and music and all that stuff. And I think that one of the reasons why musicians don't get paid like they used to anymore is because it's not rare. It's, mm. you know, every, every kind of music has already been created. So now we're just remixing 
the already existing genres of music. It's like, you're never going to hear a song with sounds that you've never heard before. It's just, we've heard all the sounds that they're all out there. Like even like electronic music and dubstep and all that stuff. Like that's already been made all the weird computer stuff. Like what new sound could you hear in music? There just, there is none. So musicians want to get paid more, but there's, it's like the market is dictating how much music is worth. I can go online and find a million different kinds of music for free. So like, you know, I, I don't have any uh, misconceptions about that, which is, you know, why I focus more on doing the, the music festivals, just like a director would focus more on making the movies and not acting in them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel mostly the same way every once in a while. I, because of electronic music, I hear a sound that I've never heard before. Right, like, right. Holy shit. Like that's, that's literally a sound that could, that did not exist like 10 right. years ago. Um, yep. and that's why I'm like really into trap music. Um, mm-hmm. these, these distortions and reverbs and like sawtooth waves that they're messing with really fucking tickles my brain, you know? Yeah. 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 And I'm like, Ooh, like, I want to try and I want to try and fucking play one to see if I can give you like an example um, because hold on, let's see. not this one. Um, I'm not going to look around, but there are some trap songs that I listen to where, where it's not only a different sound, a, a new sound because of the distortion or what, or, or it's just like a fairly new sound, you know, um, yeah. new enough, but also I like how they're fucking with break beats and like they're doing different, tricks with audio distortions where like they'll, they'll cut the sound wave, you know? Um, and also they will drop the beat. They'll, they'll skip beats. Um, like where you would expect a big bass kick to happen. I don't know. Like it's hard to explain They're They're just like fucking with rhythms a little bit and bass lines or beats. Yeah. Um, that I think is like kind of fun, but you're right. It's like, we're, we're I feel like we're reaching kind of the end <laughs> of the creativity line. Um, LP had uh, one half of run the jewels. He had an album that came out last year. That was just him. That wasn't very publicized. Um, yeah. The sounds are really weird. The way that he crafts his beats. I had to comment on YouTube. Like it sounded either ahead of its time or really like from a different timeline. Like it sounds like ears from our universe will never enjoy the, the <laughs> beats that he was presenting or they'll yeah. never be like popular um, to like a widespread audience. But maybe in like another dimension, this would be like mainstream music. I don't know. It, it gave me this weird fucking feeling. And I wrote in this YouTube comment, like, I, I haven't felt this weird about art since like looking at Dali for the first time. Yeah. And that's really, really rare. Yeah, it's definitely true. Temptation of St. Anthony. One of my favorite Dali's. The one with the real, the like the elephants with the huge long legs. Yeah. Didn't you have that in your room in college? Uh, it's possible. I feel like you did. Or I hallucinated that you did. <laughs> Either way, it's possible. Yep. Uh, mushrooms are decriminalized in Denver and I'm working with a friend to, uh, to grow some. Oh, I think my last, uh, psychedelic experience was probably like 2014, maybe 
long time ago. Oh, you get, you're ready for another one, sir. Woo. It's like my brain's at the point where like, I think about doing it and then I'm just like scared, but I know that if I did it, it would be fine. But my, my conscious brain is like, whoa, like, do I need to go back there? I don't know. Uh-huh. So I learned the best method to ingest mushrooms that gives you that, that makes it less intense. It's fucking awesome. Uh, uh, making it into a tea. Like, uh, I was, I was literally just about to say, you mean tea? Yeah. You boil that yeah, water. I, have you ever done that? Um, I have friends when I, when we had hotel three stable. Yeah. Uh, not, was it last year? Yeah. I guess it was January of 2020 right yep. before everything happened. Crazy. Um, I had a couple of friends who uh, brewed that for themselves and offered me some, but obviously I was working, so I stay sober. Right. Right. Yeah. You gotta, it's hard to check people in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. The, the amount of people that try to like get me to not be sober and not, not always illegal ways, but, uh, right. It's like, you know, I'm like running an event, right? <laughs> right. They want to spread the love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't understand that if I'm not up there, nobody is. Right. It's just the, the thing just devolves and disintegrates. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. Um, it's a fine line between order and chaos. For sure. Yeah. It's, and it looks like everything's just happening by itself. But it's right. Not. But they don't see me at four in the morning vacuuming the main room before right. breakfast gets served at 530. And when I go to a festival, when I used to go to festivals, I'm not thinking about the fucking nuts and bolts of how this thing is put on. I'm just like, <laughs> right, drugs! Right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, or just like vibes, you know, half the time. Yeah. Yeah. Drugs. I'm just and like, everyone's, this is everyone's awesome. leaving at the end. They're like, wow, this was like a great festival. Like I can't believe everything ran so smoothly. And they see me with like unshowered for like a week with my hair in four different directions, like super bags under my eyes. Like, yeah, I don't know how it all happened so easily. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm with <laughs> you, bro. Um, yeah. I thought that putting the mushrooms in a, in steeped in boiling water or nearly, you know, very hot water. I thought that would taste really bad based on what chewing mushrooms is like, but it actually, Ugh. it's actually so much more enjoyable. Like, Oh, that's good. It's fucking weird. Like it's not bad at all. Um, I, it, it's like, um, I don't know. People do like cordyceps and chaga in their tea. You know, they'll do like adaptogen, whatever. Um, right. and that might give a little bit of a, earthy, you know, sort of funky taste. And that's all that the mushroom tea is. So it's really mellow and then it hits you pretty quickly. Um, but it hits you in a way that's like really smooth. It's fucking vel- like mellow velvety smooth. Oh, where you're like, Oh, Hey, and then it leaves as smooth as it comes. And it's pretty quick. Like you can just take, you can take three sips and trip for 40 minutes. It's fucking cool. Oh. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's very yeah, mild. It sounds awesome. It's just like, you know, the mild little body high, that kind of vibrational excitement. And then maybe a little tiny little bit of visuals. Everything has a little glow, but, um, and then you, or you can just keep taking more and it's really easy to control your dose. So well, I liked it. Yeah. That's yeah. You can just kind of slow drip it. Yeah. I, um, I applied to be a board member uh, as a volunteer at this. It's called Spore. It's like a psychedelic uh, advocacy nonprofit. Um, because I've been a board member for three years at one place and two years at another. And um, and you were bored with it. I was bored with it. I want more board games. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I'm thinking uh, maybe I'll join them. 
They're like a bunch of fucking stuffy academic white people that probably don't oh care. Oh boy. Probably don't care about marginalized or oppressed people, but Hey, that I do. And I could join the group and be like mushrooms yeah, bring for a fresh everybody. Perspective. Yeah. Also, I'm not, sure, like, what, I'm also not sure what exactly they do. I'm like, I want to know that you're actually doing work and not just jerking each other off while taking mushrooms. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which I have no problem with as long as you're doing work. You do it. Before or after the work, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> For sure. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool, though. Yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I think they, they just legalized uh, weed in Jersey. So technically in New Jersey right now, marijuana is legal. That's cool. Um, yeah, so that's like a 15-minute drive for me. They legalized marijuana in like every steroid in history. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Well, if we're gonna do this, we might as well get jacked. I was telling. I, my- I think that I think that weed is one of the best uh, workout supplements because I it gets uh-huh. me in the zone. I start working out and just like put something on YouTube or listen to some music. I take a rip and then I like half an hour goes by and I'm just like, oh shit! I just zoned out. Just been like lifting moderately this whole time. I don't really lift heavy anymore. I'm not trying to get huge. I just want to maintain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I only lift heavy if it's if it's uh like leg press, like if I if I know I won't fall over. Like I don't do free weights, big weights anymore because I don't yeah. have a spotter and I'm like I don't need to fucking squat four plates like I <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah, I use I use uh 8 to 25 pounds dumbbells and a uh cable thing that's attached to my door frame. Uh-huh. And that's it. I don't I don't lift anything heavy. Mm-hmm. I've in, I've injured my shoulder and my knees too many times. I just don't care about mm. that anymore. And I, I get the same results, honestly, lifting light and doing more reps and you know, mm. muscle confusion and all that kind of stuff. So I'm good with it. Yeah. I haven't, I mean, I go to the gym sometimes, you know, with the only on leg day for the big weights, but, um, yeah, for the machines. And stuff. Yeah. Um, but so I've been at home otherwise obviously working out. And so I've been running up and down the stairs for cardio. Cause we got seven stories of stairs. And then I, I put in a pull-up bar and, um, just between like pull-ups and chin-ups and push-ups and planks, like just using my own fat ass body weight, I'm able to get a, get a lot done. Yeah. I mean, pull-ups are no joke. You get to like 10 pull-ups. You're like, woo. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. When I started, I put it up just a few months ago and I, I was able to barely do one pull-up and now I can do mm-hmm. six. I do like sets. Yeah, of, yeah. I do sets of six now, just like throughout the day. Yeah, absolutely. It builds up. Yeah. So soon, soon I'll be up at 10. And it's so funny. Like I love the, the growth to anybody who's never like worked out and experienced gains. They don't understand like the pure pleasure of like going from not being able to do one. And, and when I wasn't able to, or barely able to do one, I was thinking like, I would watch a video of somebody doing one. And I would think like, I can't even fathom, like my brain doesn't know what it's like to feel my arms lifting me up. And then once your body weight. Yeah. And then once you get to that point and then you're like able to do six, you're like, this feels fucking amazing. Right. Yeah. 600% improvement. Yeah. And just like my, the way that my muscles react, um, feel great while I'm doing it. Um, it's very rewarding. And then I told Eva, like i when I get muscle tone, I can feel my muscles in their resting state. Like I can feel the contours of my body. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I don't feel like, like how I, you're like sh- how your like shirt lays on you and stuff. Yes, and like like how like the tri- like triceps or shoulders, you know, like certain things like that. Um, and it's a distinctly different feeling from feeling like you have fat on you that you are carrying around or pulling around. Um, it's like quite a different feeling, and I didn't realize that. Like, but like you know, a number of years ago before I learned how to do all this stuff. Yeah. So many people think about working out as just, Oh, like I want to look better, but that's like, that's like 20% of it. Like the rest of it is like, you just, you feel different and your brain works differently and your body works differently. And it's just a whole, it's just like a different way to exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also like, if you're like me, like I have body dysmorphia, I've learned, like I, on a Monday, my body looks one way. And then on a Tuesday, it looks totally different. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's, that's almost entirely in my mind. Mm-hmm. And, but some, but I all, I always feel better for a number of weeks before I start looking better. <laughs> yeah, um, that's definitely true. You get your endorphins running. Yeah. And also I think you build muscle before you burn fat. Like often, often you will get bigger, like you will gain weight, uh, and your muscles get bigger and then your digestive system kind of responds to the better eating habits or whatever. And like your muscles start burning the fat more. So I think you do swell up sometimes first. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, my wife, Angel did beach body. It's like uh, like a P90X kind of program. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and she did this thing called 80 day obsession. So it's 80 days of straight of workouts, uh, an hour long video every single day. Yeah. So, before she did that, she did, there's another program called 21 day fix. It's three weeks. So she did two of those and then the 80 day obsession back to back to back and lost 40 pounds. Whoa. Um, to, yeah. Totally changed her entire body, her entire mind, her entire life. Crazy over the course of like, you know, quarantine, we were just here. So she's like, I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just crazy. The difference in like her energy levels and her happiness and just literally every aspect of her life is better just from being active every single day, you know? And I mean, it's like, you think about an hour long workout, like that sounds like a long time, but imagine like you're going out to play like a pickup basketball game where you're going to the park and throwing a Frisbee around or, you know what I mean? You're going for a walk in the park. Like that's probably going to be an hour, if not more. Yeah. And you don't even have to leave your house for this. You know what I mean? You put a video on and just follow the video every day. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, that's all it takes to make your life better is just to be active for one hour a day. You know what I mean? Just anything for one hour a day. Uh, that's, it's as simple as that. And there's a lot of people who just aren't interested mm-hmm. and don't understand why they're unhappy for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I used to get, I used to get tripped up in thinking that I needed to, to go big right away. Like thinking like I need to, if I'm not doing P90X or if I'm not doing a full hour, it's not, worth it or like I'm not making gains. And as I've gotten older, I've realized like if I'm fucking out of shape, like if I had uh, a medical problem, you know, and I was uh, out of commission for a few months and I just, you, you lose everything. Right. And it sucks. Like I don't have to go back to like a super intense leg day. Like I can fucking, I can go to the gym for 20 minutes and like yeah, and do a yeah. couple exercises and be like, you know, I'm tired. And then just like tomorrow, just do a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then before you know it, you're crushing the stairs for 60 minutes, you know, or whatever. So I, that's what yeah, I if you can, if you can just force yourself to just, to just start, 
just do one thing. I think they, they prove that it's like 11 minutes. If you can do 11 minutes, that's the minimum amount of time per day that your body will feel like positive effects from being active. Yeah, yeah, 11 minutes. Like you could be brewing a pot of coffee and you know what I mean? Do 10 push-ups and, and then take a minute break and then do 10 push-ups and then take a minute break. You know what I mean? And, uh, while you're brewing a pot of coffee and then, you, you know, you're done. Yeah, I told, I think I talked to you about this in a previous pod. Like I watched a, a Herschel Walker interview and he was like 14 years old and he was like, I just started doing push-ups during the commercials of TV shows and start with like 10 push-ups. And then he was like, yep. before I knew I was doing like a thousand a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that really yeah. motivated me. Yeah. I would say if I, I, my max is probably like, I could probably squeeze out 40 push-ups in a row and that would be pretty tough. I usually, I usually do sets of 30 if I'm going to do them. Um, there was at one point where I said, you know, I'm going to do a hundred pushups a day. So I just did 30 pushups, you know, three and a half times a day. And I did that for, you know, a month and a half and I saw results and that was, that was all I did. Yeah. That's a, that's a good feeling. Having, having a peck that like you can <clears throat> contra- uh, contract, you know, um, the, the, do the booby dance. Yeah. Just to let, like feel that you are vibrant. I don't know. It's um, I bet, hunter gatherers like spend a lot of time doing some type of meditation where they think about their like body scan. Um, cause like what the fuck else are you going to do in the bush? But yeah, just like con- contract your muscles and feel how like they move and stuff. Yeah. And like a pre be appreciative of that, especially as like a kid, I would think I remember as a kid learning, like seeing, seeing a muscle flex and thinking that was interesting. Um, yeah. I could see Hunter got like in a, in a pre-industrial society or like in a society without all these distractions being more in tuned with that. Yeah. We do have a lot of distractions. Yeah. There's a lot of endorphins, uh, endorphin hit possibilities around us. You know, we don't need the push ups necessarily. So you can atrophy. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big gamer. I love fucking video games and stuff, but you have to balance it out. You know what I mean? I could, I could sit in a chair and play video games for 20 hours in a row if I wanted to, but I know that I shouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, I think dis- like self-discipline is more important in modern times than it was in hunter gatherer society. Like I've read all this stuff about modern hunter gatherer cultures and how like the kids play very freely. And like, as you grow up, your play morphs into your work hunting mm-hmm. or farming or, or medicine gathering or whatever it all starts right. as play and like organically grows. Uh, like we don't live in that world. We have like, uh, an alienation to, from our labor and, and we have to learn like very specific, rigid industrialized skills. Um, and we need like discipline to be like, it's good for me to wake up at this time and go to sleep at this time. It's good for me to work out and do these push ups. you know, like you have to be very regimented these days. Yeah. And it definitely helps to cultivate that when you're younger. Uh, I would say the things that I learned when I was, you know, in my teenage years and early twenties are the things that still sustain me now. Like, um, when I first lost weight, when I was like 15 or 16, I had to just stop eating the thing, my favorite things, you know what I mean? Like Pringles and cinnamon toast crunch and Mm. all these amazing snack foods and junk foods. Mm. Um, and then that, that has carried me through the rest of my life being able to avoid those foods easier than someone who started when they were, you know, 35, like, Oh man, I got to stop eating cheesesteaks. And I've been eating a cheesesteak, you know, every other day for the last 25 years. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. The, those habits that you build early in life, those neural networks are... Yeah, neural networks are, for you're sure. You're going to rely on... Uh, I, heard it, I heard it described as like a ski slope. And every time you ski down, you, your skis like make a path uh-huh. in the snow. And the more you ski down those same paths, the deeper it gets and the more ingrained it becomes and the harder it is to change those habits. I always thought that was an interesting metaphor. Yeah, in Hindu, there's or in in the Hindu religion, there's like a concept like grooves in the mind. It's like that. Yep. Um, I forget what I was gonna say. The damn grooves in my mind. Fucking spoil. Groove in the growth. <laughs> well, sir, I'm hungry. I'm gonna go. I'm, I think I'm gonna go eat something. Yeah, I'm gonna finish my quesadilla. Ooh, quesadilla, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Don't mind if I do, ya. Quesadilla, quesadilla, don't you? fucking wordplay yep one of my favorite things (laughs) you're like yep well this has been fun dude as usual yeah always is as per usual well you know you know what song we're gonna go out on (laughs) (laughs) i think i do yeah so this is this has been great dude let's do it again soon have fun have fun planning your three stival music festival everyone check out three stival if you want to jam out and party down in pennsylvania so thanks again, dude. And thanks to everybody who listened and, uh, for Lee and for me and for the happy guys, this has been the unnecessary podcast. Bye everyone.